Welcome to Rooster Radio, a broadcast dedicated to supporting and promoting local artists and musicians in the Gaston County and surrounding areas. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Michael Carpenter. Today, I'm talking to the highly acclaimed neo-traditional Native American rock band, Chris Faree and Medicine Crow. Chris has received four Silver Arrow Awards. He's also been nominated for two Native American Music Awards. The band has been featured in several magazines as well as television programs over the years. There's a lot to unpack with these guys, but first, let's check out their song, Candy Deer, off of their self-titled 2018 album.
Ladies and gentlemen, that is Chris Faree and Medicine Crow. I'm talking with Chris Faree and the guys. Fellas, let's first go around, introduce yourselves, and tell our audience what it is you do in the band. Uh, Chris Faree, I play flute, lead vocals, and percussion. Brinkley Isaacs, I play electric lead guitar and uh, sometimes acoustic guitar. Pedro Fraginals, um, I play uh, acoustic guitar. Uh, Mike Clapper, and I play bass. Eric Kimball, drums, background vocals. Thanks a lot, fellas. In our intro, we talk about how you guys, you've received four Silver Arrow Awards. You've been nominated for two NAMA Awards. Uh, Let's start by sharing what a Silver Arrow Award is and what a NAMA Award is. NAMIs are Native American Music Awards. It's a national award. Uh, People that have heritage or or part of tribes, they get nominated. All different kind of genres of music. Everything from blues to punk to folk to chants to whatever. Rock and roll. Awesome. Now, you haven't been playing with these guys for very long. Is that correct? Uh, This been playing with Pedro quite a while. Everybody else, uh, a couple years, let's say. Okay. So for those who don't know, Chris had a career going in music before he hooked up with these guys. And it's almost like you guys were a match made in heaven. Like, how did you guys meet? How did you just, what made you make the decision to go from doing solo, mostly instrumental, to hooking up with these guys and putting on a a full-on set? I played um, in bands from the time I was 19 to I got married and had kids and then took a break and raised the kids to a certain age and wanted to get back into music and wanted to do something a little more, at the time, a little not so rock and roll at the time, man. And uh, so got into world music a lot. And a friend of mine that I was in the rock band with before, Brad Ford, he and I got together and started doing studio projects, world music, mostly instrumental, and got into vocals. And I did three or four albums of that. And then we... Uh, Decided we was going to start doing some film scoring. So we did that for three years. Uh, up and down the East Coast, some out West, uh, Texas, Florida. Just a bunch. We did, we did that for a while. And uh, started having the, I guess, the wanting to play out again. Getting together with the band. I got my son involved and another friend from high school. And brought Pedro in. Um, and it sort of started clicking then. And uh, from there, just built from a three-piece up and went through a number of people, which are all getting their own sense, but just trying to find the right combination. So Madison Crow wasn't a band before. You you guys built this together. Correct. So, so fellas, tell me, um, what got, how, how did this grow? What, what made y'all decide to get together? How did you all meet each other and get together to ahead, form this Pedro. band? Well, in, in my case, which I guess I was the after that initial – band that uh, Chris had formed with his son and another uh, his Mark Addington, Mark Addington a, a friend from high school um, I had come in um, through his nephew one day I, I, he said uh, hey I think you and your my uncle would get together you should get together I mean I really didn't know anything about Chris at all and one day I got our random message through messenger and uh, it was Chris he goes hey you know uh, my uh, my nephew thinks that you uh, would be a good fit, and I go, you know, let's check it out. I mean, I really never thought about ever playing in a band in my life. I mean, I didn't start playing into, like Chris said in 19, I didn't start playing in a band until I was in my late 30s. 
Really? Never thought about it. Never even crossed my mind. So you just played around on the guitar on your own? That was it. I'm the the, the proverbial guy that was in his bedroom just noodling <laughs> around, and that was it. And like I had no concept of it. Never even crossed my mind ever. Wow, that's 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 very interesting. Very yeah. That's I mean, not, in retrospect, that seemed bizarre. Yeah, but yeah. And we got together, and I found a co-writer in Pedro too. We were just kind of reorganizing or redoing, uh, rearranging the songs that I had done in the past with Brad Hoare. Pedro and I got together. We started writing new songs. Well, what about the rest of you guys, Eric? How did uh, how did you become a part of this band? I can't even remember. It's like it, it, I know it's been a short time, and I'm I'm actually the newest member of the band. But you know, it seems like we we played so much that it seems like it's been forever. So honestly, I can't remember <laughs> what did happen to bring us together. <laughs> Our previous drummer, um, he bowed out because of, uh, you know, health issues and other things. And uh, Eric, I do remember that now. Eric, now that you, yeah. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> so, yeah, so he um, so he bowed out. They asked me to just fill in because I'm actually still drumming with another band. So so they asked me just to fill in temporarily. And the more we just kept playing and playing, he was like, do we need, still need to find a replacement drummer, or are you it? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of think I'm it. So, so and, and we'll go ahead and shout out your other band. What's the band's name? It's Roadside Alice. Roadside Alice. Yep. Mike, Brinkley, how'd you guys get pulled into this web? Well, I was already in a, another band with Pedro, and he said, hey, you want to come uh, play with uh, Chris Free of Medicine Crow? So I said, uh, sure. <laughs> that was pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, once I, I got Pedro out of his house, he... He plays in three three bands now. <laughs> Mike plays in another three bands. Yeah. Eric's in two, and Y'all are one band's enough for breaking up. <laughs> yeah, I play in church also, and uh, a long time ago I played with Stephen Furtick, who's the the famous minister of Elevation Church now. But uh, that was kind of like my first gig as far as like doing stuff on a routine basis. And then I uh, saw Chris down at Newgrass. Um, they were playing down there. It's been probably three and a half, four years ago now, and. Uh, and the next week, I got a text message from him that they were looking at, you know, adding another guitar player. So uh, I said, yeah, sure. So we went over to his house. And Chris, I've known Chris probably for 25 years, back to the, go back to the Pyramid Recording Studio days when uh, he and Brad used to play together. But anyway, jumping back to now, I ended up going over there. And of course, it was just Pedro and Chris and myself at the first. And then I think we got Joe in next and then Mike, or was it the same time? No, I came after Joe. You came after Joe. But anyway, been over the moon since then. Well, you guys sound great together. So it sounds like you've you've kind of settled into a, for lack of a better term, you settled into a zone that really works well for for the five of you. Right. Yeah. And with that sentiment in mind, let's hear another song. All right. This song's called "Frightened Rabbit." Those you love and know that I tried 
love is not a given. Frightened rabbit cried before he died. Fantastic. I tell you, I, I played bass when I was younger. Mike, you are just killing it on that song, man. I really awesome. enjoyed that bass line. That leads me into a question I like to ask. Tell me about how you guys write music. Is this a collaborative effort? Does one does one of you write most of the music? How does that go with uh, you guys? Right now, I think it has become a little more collaborative. It has been. Right now, it's mainly me and Pedro. We'll have some kind of idea, have a music idea or lyric idea. I'll have a lyric idea and maybe a little bit of music, and we'll get together and sort of hash it out. Is that what you'd say? Basically. Yeah, basically. I mean, generally, or it depends. Um, in some cases, um, in this case, I think Chris had written the lyrics, and sort and of, then I yeah, read the lyrics, and yeah. I just came up with the with the, you know, I the, told him the music. To make, I told him to, make, uh, to have some upbeat music because the subject matters. Yeah. about a suicide. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. For some Chris reason, has, we write a lot of... Uh, yeah, very guess, depressing uh, songs. Murder ballads and stuff. Yeah, the, Chris <laughs> has a very peculiar, you know, peculiarity that he likes to think... Expresses things very abstractly. You know, like he doesn't say it like in a musical term or whatever. So he just Visually. says... He's like, he's, he has like word pictures in his mind. Like, okay, so this is going to be like 
a little bit like the ocean, you know, like, okay. And like, so kind of my responsibility to try to interpret that, whatever that means. Well, that's, that's why we do art, right? Is to get those demons out of us. And so that we don't take negative actions. Oh yeah. yeah we, we find ways to deal with it through, through some sort of art. And, and I gotta say, man, well done on that for sure, man. Mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate, I appreciate, and I really enjoyed that song. And too, uh, everybody, Pedro approaches things from a kind of a folk, Americana, metal, and eighties music over here with Brink. Mike's a little more punk, but he likes a lot of stuff too. Uh, Eric and I, I've got a probably a, a pretty broad range of what we like. Then I've got the world music end of it too that I, I it comes in some of the songs. Now, when you say world music, describe for our audience what world music really means. Um, world music can be uh, it's world music instruments, usually. That's how I look at it. Uh, Peter Gabriel, Deck and Dance, and Native American artists that incorporate folk and blues and rock and, and everything into it. Uh, you know, even Irish music, just anything that's got a, a got a flair, African music, anything that's just has a flair with it. With so more like cultural kind of uh, roots in the music. Yes, roots, roots music, no way to look at it. Yes. Yeah, I say my audience, but really it was for me. I, I right. <laughs> never really heard that term before. <laughs> so, you know, obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic or whatever you want to call it. Let's talk about how that's affected what you guys do. Now, you do you have an album out there for purchase? Yes. We, it, we as Madison Grove have, have one, and we're working on recording another one now. We's, so when I met you, which was I met you last summer, and you guys were uh, playing at the festival in downtown Shelby, and you, know, you, you guys were doing your thing. You were kind of promoting that album. Did did this pandemic did that have any kind of adverse effect on you guys promoting that album, or have you been able to still get out and get your music out? Um, some, I mean, but there's less people. I mean, for a while you couldn't play anywhere, and then there's less people at the venues, whether there's limited capacity or whether they just don't want to come out or less money to go around because people's job situation. So, I mean, I do, and I did art shows as well and, and sold CDs there. Um, the CD sales have gone down because of the pandemic, but I think that's just because everything else has gone down. Yeah. I think everything's kind of come to a screeching halt and it really, it's really discouraging. I read an, I was reading an article the other day that talked about, you know, a third of your like, professional national world touring artists are talking about hanging it up after this they, oh, wow. and yeah. and that's and that broke my heart yeah, like sure. literally broke my heart to read that people are just hanging it up after this because a lot of people don't think the world's going to be the same after this right uh, yeah we don't know There's and no i refuse to believe i don't that. want to believe that yeah either. i refuse to believe that I, I i don't know about you guys but i'm dying to go to a live show i think I, there's no way i'm the only person that feels that way no i agree and I've, oh, yeah. a lot of other people agree too yeah well, I'm, I'm an optimist in general i think things will will get back to normal yeah so since we're talking about live music what can people expect from a medicine crow show really just a a mixed bag of you know you got uh, a lot of the songs that we do where chris is playing his flute uh you have just the straight up rock songs like what we just played we throw some a mixture of cover tunes from older songs to you know more newer songs we try to mess them up a little bit at least i do i I like to put a spin on a cover usually oh yeah how do you determine what songs to cover when you do a cover song like what what makes you decide hey we're gonna play this song i don't know it's hard to say like sometimes like 
like I'll Chris will hear me play a particular song off the cuff or something, and then he then he might say, "Oh, that might be a decent song to play." Or um, I don't think there's any particular rhyme or reason as long as it fits within the milieu of what we do. I think it's okay. And I, I mean, that's it's a pretty broad spectrum. I think we can. I was telling Chris, I go, you know what we should do? We should do uh, Carly Simon's "You're So Vain," and I was like, "Why not? We can awesome. do it." Yeah, love it. You know, we like uh, like let's we did let's dance last night for the first time, and uh, that's the latest cover tune that we've learned. I mean, as far as the ones we pick, we kind of try to stay a little bit abstract, where it's something that not everybody is you know does when they, when you go out here band, especially cover bands, but. Uh, Catch anyway, people was, off we guard. We off pretty good. I, I, I feel like we did a good job with it. It was fun. We put a little bit different spin on it. Like the, we used like the live version that Bowie had done several years ago. Yeah, with a jazz intro to it. When you're putting together a set list, are you thinking about the type of place you're playing or the type of crowd you're seeing, or do you just put together a set list? This is what we want to play tonight. How does it? I usually just put together a set list of this is what we're playing. Um, I, I, maybe I should think about that more, but. Right. I like to just <laughs> well, uh, yeah, see, what, see. I like to get a reaction. Sometimes I, there's a place we might be playing. I know well that might not go over, but let's see. Let's see if we can pull well, it off. It's just a challenge. I guess. Yeah, but I think it depends. Like if we're playing like as a duo or trio, we might trim the set list based on you know who's available. Um, I mean, and the set list in itself, like we, you know, we check out the tempos and the key signatures to make sure that you know we're we're not in the same key too many songs in, in a row or, you know, having some a song that's two, you know, three, four slow songs in a row or things like that. Just try to Typical stuff. get yeah. a set list designed correctly. He changed the set list last night, actually, <laughs> from what uh, we've from we normally have done. And, you know, it, I think it went over well overall. So. I like asking that question because it, it's kind of a snapshot into the creative process. You know, if you're doing the same set list every time, you could literally get locked into this going through the motions mindset, but keep it, mixing it up sometimes and then thinking about your crowd. I think, I think you can have a little fun with it, kind of yeah, another layer to the onion. that's one of the reasons we're throwing new covers, and we've got we've got a new song of one of Eric's older bands. Yeah, the Fat Sparrows uh, played a song called uh, Bitter Peel, and, and we, we started playing that now. So. Dedicating that to 2020, Bitter Peel. What is it, Trust Me from Bruce Rhino? Trust Me from another band. He's Oh, Bruce Rhino. Yeah, we're we're uh I, I, we're gonna talk to Bruce Rhino uh, next season. Oh yeah, I'll yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a that's a surprise to me, but yeah, that's, oh, that's all well, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, your singer reached out, so I'm Joe. Joe, it was Joe. Yeah, yeah, Joe. Yeah, Joe yeah, sometimes sits in on harmonica with us. Yeah, he's the Joe we were talking about that was drumming for a while. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. That's oh, look at that full circle coming together. I like that. That's awesome. See, that's that. Those are the little things about doing what we're doing that I love is, is building this community up and, and you know every hopefully 10 years from now everyone's going to know everybody you know what I mean uh, it's, it does help it's almost network. like that now actually <laughs> it's very close to being the networking does help I'm trying to network out towards Charlotte and Spartanburg and you know that kind of thing alright uh, did y'all want to play another song sure alright this song's called Red Clouds Farewell Darkness is stealing over me 
shadows are long before me. Soon I lie down to rise no more. While the spirit is in my body, the smoke of my breath shall rise, rise up towards the heaven until it's my time to die. Hey, ah, hey. based on uh, Lakota Chief Fred Clouds. Part of it's based on the last speech he gave his people before he passed away. Very, very nice. That, that was beautiful. Like that, that was a beautiful serenade. Now, well, if you weren't listening, Chris also plays flute. Um, let me ask the band a question. 
when y'all all hooked up with Chris and you knew that he was a, he played flute and wanted to incorporate flute into this style of music, did any of you think to yourself, how are we going to do this? Like, what, did you just step up to that challenge? How did that go? Well, I can tell you, Pedro liked the flute to start with, and now he's sick of it. I, can... <laughs> <laughs> I, I dig it. Um, I mean, I've got a little running joke with Chris. I call him um, Zamfari, master of the pan flute. Because if you ever remember those old commercials for Zamfir, master of the pan flute, but it just kind of fits right in. But I really dig it. I think it adds a lot to it. And uh, anyway, I think it's cool. Well, in my case, uh, I think what the, the use of the flute, I think it's one of the things that um, sets us apart, which is obviously there's not that many other bands that have the flute. Absolutely. I like the use of the flute in certain songs, not in every song. I mean, it depends on, <laughs> on the context of the song. When it, when it carries a, you know, a melody or it has a specific function, I like it. And in, and in some songs that where he's, he does solo, it works, but not on every song. So I think... You know, in the process of us being together, we've—it's been a process of refinement. You know, was you know, it's a progression where we've figured out, okay, so this works here, this might not work here, and I, and it could have been because of some pressure that I've applied to him. You know, <laughs> so so does he try to crowbar the flute into every song? Maybe in the beginning it was like that, but then I was like, no, this is not going to happen. In the beginning, we didn't, have, we didn't have a lead player, so I would take all the breaks on the flutes. So you know, right. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. I go, Chris, you're taking away from Brink's awesomeness. Please stop playing the flute. <laughs> well, I, personally, I, it would be very intimidating for me to walk into a situation like that. Like you, know, but I'm I'm leaning more toward the the hard rock type playing, so it, it would have been hard for me to do that. But you guys do it masterfully. Like you guys are all clearly professionals. Like. I don't know if anyone's ever called you that before, but the way you guys are approaching this and, and just watching you guys get to play, how relaxed you are, it's it's amazing. I'm just trying to paint a picture for the audience because they can't be here to see what I'm seeing. It's awesome. it's pretty awesome. It's the full bar behind us. That's why that's what keeps us relaxed. <laughs> oh, Pedro and I have always said we try to surround ourselves. Yeah, that's basically it. We're, we we have. Brinkley, uh, uh, Eric, and Mike are really <laughs> what makes us sound the best, really. Chris and I are more like guys that make stuff up, you know, <laughs> and then we try to... And then so we, these guys put all the technical... Yeah, they're the ones that are... They're, they're the yeah. talent. Well, that's, that's a high compliment for you guys. I mean, and you guys do sound wonderful. So um, let's talk about where people can find your music because that's what we want to do. We want to promote Medicine Crow. We want to promote your album. We want to promote your social media and all that. So why don't y'all tell us, tell our audience where they can find you? Uh, ChrisFree.com, uh, Facebook, Metascro page, uh, Instagram, Metascro page as well. Yeah. 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 Amazon, YouTube. Um, we've got a YouTube channel. Amazon, any of the download sites, you can, you can find it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and, and find all the back stuff I've done too. Rock and roll. Awesome. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know we ask every band of this. Like I said, you clearly have have a good thing going here. You've got great energy, and your songs have have you know they're, they're masterfully put together. I want to know how would you define success for Medicine Crow? Well, it, for me, it's always always fundamentally always been about the song. So and I, I, I feel that I would put that above any you know. And then again, I don't know if they're good or not or whatever. I could only go based on my instinct and you know feedback from people that i trust but 
you know, of course, everybody, I think, would like to have some, you know, some degree of success. But for me, as long as a song is good and it's well put together and we're having fun or whatever, that's it's a measure of success. Because like like anything else, like a, a person's art, you know, like anything, like their artistic life, you know, you just, you know, progressing in that. So as long as I keep on moving forward in that collectively or individually, um, for me, it's a success, you know. Would I want to make more money at it, or you know, of course, yeah. That, but of course, that comes with other uh, strings, as they say. So, right, yeah. We put the uh, patron. I put the songwriting and just the creating of that. Uh, it's it's probably first for us, and then we put it out, let everybody else add to it. And but as far as a measure of success, I would say like you know, like audience reaction, that sort of thing, like that. That when I can look out in the audience and I see people grooving to the music head bobbing foot tapping that kind of thing up and dancing that sort of thing that makes a successful night for me if if it was night after night of playing to people's backs that were more interested in nursing their drinks than than the band playing i really wouldn't care i don't think to to do this anymore, it's, it's so. about creating a connection is yeah. what i'm hearing it's it's that can as long as you're still connecting with people that's success and that's the, the absolute best answer you can give. That's that's why we're doing this is is to create connections between artists and and audiences and you know and artists and other artists as well. Yeah. I always, I mean, for me, this is was always like a pretext to hang. You know, when even when I was playing by myself or whatever, I would get together with. It was always a pretext. It was never about the music necessarily. It was always, hey, let me go hang out with you. And there was, you know, that was just a pretext to go hang out with somebody. Like you said, the human connection that's always been super important. And I'm I'm more I'm a little more ambitious about this than maybe Patriot is too, as far as like trying to get bigger and better gigs to you know to a point organically and more money would be great if that's if that can happen in these days or even after all this is over. Just music industry's changed so much. So. I think we're going to see a shift in the way music is consumed and produced. I and mean, we were already seeing a shift or at least a trend in how people consume art. I think once things do get back to quote-unquote normal, we're going to see a shift. I don't think that radio stations are going to have that much control over what people listen to after this. People have gotten so into using their computers and their devices for entertainment. That's how people are going to find new music now. Right. And, And I think that... That benefits more than anybody. It benefits the local, the up and comers. You know the the the, you know, the local bands that you know. We've got what a handful of rock radio stations in this area. How easy is it to get your song on one of those stations? I mean, we we've gotten some. It's uh, just local, like college stations or smaller stations. We've got some airplay. Yeah, not well, you might be an exception to the rule, but my point is, most local bands, it's all—it's next to impossible to get your song on on like an iHeart radio station, you know. Exactly. And and now it's going to be different, man. People are going to be listening to what's around, what's around them. They're going to you know, start seeing, you know, that's with all the awful things that social media has brought on our society. One of the most awesome things is it has brought a, a way to to build an audience. Right. You know, by using those platforms. Well, so, and, you know, you think too back back in the day. You know, when there were record stores, and all, how much more difficult was it for an artist to put out an actual record to have in a store to be purchased, and how much easier it is now for to just uh, 
record something and put it online for streaming. So right. it's a lot easier to reach an audience than now. So Yeah, I think with the social media thing going on where you can see anybody anywhere at any time, it's made it to where the, the very powerful artists now, uh, everybody is has become a small fish in a big sea, I think. Yes. A lot more now. It's leveled the playing field. It's, right, yep. it's diluted a lot more. Yeah, right. it's definitely leveled the playing field, and you know it's you know it's hard enough to get people to respond to what you're doing, but uh, but now we now that there's a vehicle for people to to get that to an audience, I think we are definitely going to see a shift in how people consume music. Yeah, that's a different way of approaching it, and uh, there might be a everybody really wanting to go out once this thing's over. Oh, really are you kidding? Music again. <laughs> I mean, maybe even more than they were before. I, I 100% believe that. Now, we've never done this before on the show, but you guys are all sitting here with your instruments, and you sound so lovely together. Is there any chance we can get you to play us out of this episode? Sure, sure. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Chris Free and Medicine Crow. It has been an absolute pleasure to talk with these fellas. These are some super talented guys, and I hope that you all go to their YouTube page, to their social media sites, and chrisfree.com, and they're going to play us out. All right, let's do Mickey Mine. Dragon.
Yeah. 